Last week I started a new series of messages uh, titled Eternity. And today I will, I will have the second message. And today's word is store up treasures in heaven. Say that to the person next to you. Store up treasures in heaven. I think we all think about our life in the future, isn't it? Are you with me? Are you with me? I think we all, uh, we are always thinking about our future. There is no way. You are thinking, how is going to be my future? Maybe you are thinking, to say, oh, maybe I, I need to buy a house. I need to save some money. Or I need to put some money in the bank because maybe I'm going to use it in the future. And everybody is doing that. This is so normal for every one of us in order to have a better future, future okay? And Jesus teaches about how can you have a better future. Let's, let's, let's listen to what Jesus said about our future. Matthew chapter 6, verse 20 and 21. If you have your Bible, or you can follow in, on the screen. Let's read all together, please. But store up for ourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I have a question to you. Where is your treasure? Where are you going, where are you storing up and saving? Where? There is nothing wrong with having good things and saving money for our, for our future. There is nothing wrong, okay? But the problem is when these things have us that we can start running into trouble. The problem is not to have these things. The problem is when these things have us. Why I am preaching this series of message about eternity? Because God moved, moved my heart to preach about that. As I, as I said to you in the, in, the, in the first message, if you didn't listen, please go to our YouTube channel and listen to it, please. I am teaching you as I, uh, I used to teach my children. Why? Because I want to see my children serving the Lord. I want to see my children saved. And I really love all of you. I really love this church. And as your pastor, I am, I am worried about your life. 
And when I am looking at some of your lives, I fear the way that you are living. Because I am near to all of you. And, and the way that some of you are dealing with the Lord, I fear for your future. Where are you investing your life, your time, and where is your treasure? Please pay attention to this word. Don't get distracted. And I want to ask you again, where is your treasure? Where is your heart? Because Jesus said one important thing. Your treasure will always be together with your heart. Both. What did I say? Your treasure and your heart will be together. Always. This is what Jesus said. And the Bible teaches us that spiritual treasures, follow me, spiritual treasures, that means putting your love and attention on things from above, are of much greater value than anything on earth. This is what Jesus said. A treasure is anything we highly value and that motivates us into actions, into action. And according to Jesus, pay attention, according to what Jesus said in this verse, determine where your treasure is, we will also determine where our heart is. And you need to to check where you invest your time, there is your heart. Where you invest your time, there is your heart. Many people claim to look forward to heaven, but their hearts are really not in it. I told last week, many people there saying, Jesus, I love you, and I want to be with you after death. But not now. How can you say, if I ask you again, how, how many of you would you like to be with him after death? All of you. The last time, all of you... Today, you don't, you don't want to, to raise up your hand. But last time I said, how many of you would you like to be with Jesus after death? All of you raised. Yeah. But how many of you would you like to be with Jesus today? To serve him today? To love him today? To give your life today? To offer your life today? Many people, they say, after death, Jesus, I will be with you. But not now. But where is your heart? Today. Because where your heart is, then there is your treasure. Your treasure is what you value the most. 
If the kingdom of God has no value, to be in the church has no value. To be in a prayer meeting, no value. To read the Bible, no. Then I can say to you, where is your heart? Randy Alcorn is a best-selling author and founder of Eternal Perspective Ministries. And he said, Many Christians dread the thought of living this world. world. Why? Because so many have stored up their treasures on earth. Not in heaven. Each day brings us closer to death. If your treasures are on earth, that means each day brings you closer to losing your treasure. This is a great truth. Because life is short. Life is short. The Bible says in the book of James... We are like the mist, like a vapor. We are here today and soon we are gone. And each day it's close. If your treasure is here, each day is closer for you to lose your treasure. Because your only treasure is here. You are worried of the things here. This is why you love this world too much. You want to enjoy life. You are worried just about your things, your life, your children, your job, and everything about you, you. And then, I, I want to ask you again, where is your heart? During the last message, we heard about our passing life. Our life is short. Did you remember that I said? Our life is short. But eternity will be very long. And you better to prepare for it. Life is short, but eternity will be very long. And your eternity is determined by how you use your time during these few years. This is what Jesus said. Your eternity will be determined how you lived this short few years of life. Jesus taught us that there is one eternal destiny for individuals. And now it is time to get ready for it. The way you live now will determine how and where you will live. Second Peter 3.9 says that God does not want anyone to be destroyed. He's not willing that any should perish, but he wants everyone to repent and be saved. Do you remember that I said last week? This is God's desire. God doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to be saved. And this is the number one God's desire. What's the number one God's desire? Everyone to be saved. This is God's desire. This is why he created you. He created us. And we have been saved. To save others. This is why you, you got saved. 
Say that to the person that you have been saved to save others. Amen? And uh, the great avivalist Charles Spurgeon said, look what he said, let's fall. <laughs> if you have no wish for others to be saved, then you are not saved yourself. Be sure of that. <laughs> I know it's so strong. But this man of God said that, and this is what Jesus said. If you have no wish for others to make disciples, to preach the gospel, to what you receive to give to others, sorry. This is why I'm talking, teaching you about eternity. Because I fear for some of you that are listening to me today. I fear in the way that you are living. God, God has conscripted or those who have saved into service. Or God enlists you to a service for you to do something. And those who have been saved and live for eternity are obeying. The two main commandments of God. Do you know what are the two main commands, commandments of God? What are they? Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all, all, all your soul, and all your strength. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. Would you like to be saved? Then you should you desire that your neighbor should be saved. If you love yourself, you have to, to love your neighbor. This is the main of the commandments that Jesus gave us. And we need to see people as the Lord sees them. Did you listen to me? We, did, we need to look to people. And to, we need to love them as the Lord loves them. And we need to have God's heart beating. In our heart. Do you know that the God's heart beat for people? He loves people. He loved you so much that he gave his only son to die for you. And as you are saved, what we are doing for others. Because if you don't think about eternity, you don't have this, that in mind. Can you imagine about your family lost all eternity? Your children may be lost for all eternity. Or maybe your neighbor lost for all eternity. Because hell is real. It's not fair tale. This is what Jesus spoke a lot. Even many pastors don't speak about it anymore, about hell. Because they want to give a nice message to everybody. Go, to, go home and say, oh, my pastor is a good pastor. He preached what I, I wanted to listen. But sorry, I'm here to teach what Jesus taught. And it's better to get ready for eternity. Look at the person that you said, it's better for you to get ready for eternity. Why? God's vision, God's vision and desire 
is to see all men repenting of their sins. He wants to see a huge multitude of children similar like Jesus Christ. This is God's desire. And one day, this will become a reality. Yes, because the Bible says that. Let's read Revelation 7 to 9. Revelation 7 to 9. After this, I looked, and there before me was what? A great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes. And they were holding palm branches in their hands. This is the end of everything. And the Bible says one day, you'll be a, a great multitude. And I, what I love this church, we have people from 22 different nationalities here. And this is what the Bible says that we are going to, to see in heaven. People from all nationality. Not depend on the color of their skin. From all language, tribe, nationality. And they will be before the Lord. And we are doing something in order to have this multitude before the Lord one day. Shalom is doing. And what we are going to do? What are you doing for your neighbor? For the people next to you? Oh, I want me saved. I want, I want to be with the Lord. But I don't care about my neighbor, my co-worker, the person who stood with me. If they go to hell, no problem. I want to be saved, Pastor. Please. We need to have God's heart. Amen? We need to have the God's heart. And I believe in the church of Jesus. I really believe in the church of Jesus. I believe... That a large crowd will be saved here. Not in this place because we have no place for a large crowd here, for multitude. But soon we are going to be another place. Amen? Soon we are going to move from this place to a larger facility, a, a large, larger building. Because I really believe that multitude, multitude will come to Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And also we are praying and awaiting a great revival over our nation, over Ireland, over Monaghan. Can you say amen? amen? We are waiting. And the result of this revival will be countless multitude coming to Jesus, rushing to the presence of God and say, I need God, I need God, I need your God, I need your God, I need the God that you are ser serving. People are looking at you, what we are offering to them. I was born, I, I born again, some years ago, I was lost. I was a drunk young man. My life was totally destroyed. And I am just here because of Jesus. And if I don't say to others what he did for me, I am so selfish. 
You cannot keep for yourself. You cannot keep for yourself what God gave to you. You receive it free. You didn't pay for it. It's by grace. It's by grace we are saved. Jesus taught about you and the cross. And now, if we think about eternity, we need to invest in people, in other lives. Can you say amen? amen? As I said to you, I know, multitude you come. And now I am going to the point that I want you to share today about. Because we are going to, we are going to experience a revival. Healing, salvation of souls. People being delivered from demons. People from delivering from their addictions. They will come and multitude will come. And no structure or temple will be able to accommodate these people. Did you, did you understand what I said? No structure or temple will be able to accommodate to receive all these people. Except church in the houses. Where these people will be? Church in the houses. The church of Christ began in houses and it shall end its missions in the house. Amen? Because the primitive church started in their house. Cell meetings that I said to you that we have Tuesday, Wednesday, these small groups are the heart of the church. And they are responsible for the growth of the church. Now, I'm going to go with you in the book of Acts. Okay, we're going to travel to the book of Acts to see what happened with the primitive church. And, and I'm going to show you about the extraordinary growth of the primitive church, the first church. And how... They, or where they put all those people who were born again and how they cared for them. Let's read, let's read Acts 1.15. Let's read all together, please. Those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. It was a group like this one, not more. We have around like near 100 people. They had 120 people, a small group. And uh, now here in this verse that we read, here we, they were where? In the upper room before Pentecost. And there were how many believers? 120 believers only. But let's go now, Acts 2, 40, 41. Let's read all together. Those who accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their numbers that day. Wow! That means in the first day of the church, after the when the Holy Spirit came upon the church in the first day, that church became a mega church of 3,000 members. Can you imagine? Wow! 
<laughs> After the Holy Spirit, 3,000 in one day. From 120, they, they became 3,000. Let's go to Psalm 247. This is God's design, my beloved brothers. Acts 247. Let's read. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. Or here says, every day they had new people. Every day they had new people. Every day the Lord was adding people to join the church. Let's go to Psalm 44. Sorry, Acts 4 4. Acts 4 4. Let's read all together. And the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Wow. But now think about this. How many says here? How many people? 5,000 what? Men. In this new gathering, Five came 5,000 men. But think about this. Whenever you have a gathering of 5,000 men, how many women and children are there? Can you? Ha, do you have an idea? And, and, and Jewish people, they, you know, they, have, they work a lot. They have a lot of children. You know. It's not like Europe. Europe, the people, they have dogs, not children. Or maybe one or... But if it, when you have 5,000 men, as the Bible said, you can expect at least 15,000 people. Because one woman and one children. But I am, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not putting too much. Because I don't want to just to grow numbers. But when you have, say, 5,000 men, you, minimum 15,000 people. Can you imagine now? 15,000 people worshiping the Lord now. That small church that started with 120. Then in the first day, the Pentecost, 3,000. Then 5,000 men. And they became 15,000. But now we are going to see that the church is going to be about Fifty hundred thousand people. This is what we are going to see. Let's keep reading. Now let's look chapter five. Chapter five, Acts chapter five, verse fourteen. All together, and believers were increased increasingly added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women. <laughs> Did you see one thing? They were counting. If they were counting, in the middle of the church, someone was there. Yeah, because have you noticed that we have numbers in the Bible? 3,000. If they, 
Someone they said, oh, I'm going to count this group, and you are going to count that group, and let's see how many people we have here, because this is going to be part of the Bible, and you need to put all that there, and count very correct. Don't be give big number. Today we give big number, just to say that we have a big church, but not. But there, they counted. But they start counting. 120, 3,000, 5,000, and now they could not count anymore. What did they say here? Multitude of people. Wow. Multitudes of both men and women. He does not mention more any more numbers. But says multitudes. You can't even count them all. Let's go Acts 5.28. Acts 5.28. Here is the is the the leaders that are go, that were talking against them, and they said to them, "You have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine." They were very mad at them. They were very mad. You were filling Jerusalem with your doctrine. Can you imagine some days? Later, some people say, Shalom is filling Monaghan with this doctrine. Do you, do you know what it means? It's when half of Monaghan are serving the Lord. Then we are filling Monaghan with our doctrine. This is what it's written here. And do you know how big was the church in Jerusalem? They were in this time here. There were maybe 100,000 members. 100,000 members. Why? Because do you know how big was Jerusalem at that time? All, all the history, the history say that Jerusalem had minimum 200,000 people. 200,000 people in Jerusalem. Then, so, if you are a church of 100,000, thousand in a city of two hundred thousand what that means we are filling the city with our doctrine <laughs> this means because they had two hundred thousand and then one hundred in the church the church were filling the town with their doctrine hallelujah let's go to chapter six now 6-1. Now, in those, in those days, when? When? The numbers of disciples was multiplied. Notice, now the language in the Bible changed. Changed the language. Maybe you never noticed. But you are going to read that 3,000 were added. 5,000 were added. Multitude were added. But now we have gone to multiply. Or we are changing from addiction to multiplication. They were adding, but now says they were multiplying. You know that two Plus two is four. Or two 
10 plus 10 is 20. But you know how, how much is 20 plus 20? It's totally different. Did you get the point? Let's go to chapter 21 now. To the 21 verse 20. You see, brother, how many? I said Acts 21 verse 20, please. <coughs> Let's read all together. You see, brother, how many? Myriads. Wow. <laughs> Myriads of Jews. There are who have believed. <laughs> now it's another language. Myriads are myriads literally means two numerous to be counted. Wow. Yeah, two numerous to be counted. And this is the kind of growth that we want to see in our church. Can you say amen? But now the point is, how do you get a New Testament level of growth? Did you get the point? How do you get a New Testament level of growth? We must use New Testament methodology. If you want to have what they had, you want to use the same methodology. If they grew so quickly, where do you think they would gather all these people? Did you get the point? If they grew so quickly, where did they put all these people together? This is a point. Can you imagine? We are near 100 people, but next week we are 3,000. <laughs> Where do you going to put all these people? There is no... Uh -huh. Where did they meet? The Bible tells us. Did you know the Bible tells us? Let's see Acts chapter 5, verse 42. Day after day, let's... Day after day, where? In the temple courts and... From house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Please, if you have your Bible, highlight your Bible in the temple courts and from house to house. In the temple courts and from house to house. Some people think the primitive church, they were gathering in the temple. This is so silly to think that the, the, the believers, they were gathering in the, te in the Jewish temple <laughs> like Gentile entering in the temple and say, we are going to worship God here in the temple. <laughs> Some people think, but of course not. The church didn't meet in the temple, but they met where? In the courts. And they were multiple courts around the temple. If you have been in Jerusalem, I have been there twice. And, uh, if you, and if you go to the Western Wall, that was one of the courts, just there in that place, we can fit 50,000 people standing. Because there are 
10,000 square meters just in that, that place. Not inside of the temple. The church never gathered inside of the temple. Never. Why? Why? If you know what is a Jewish temple, only the high priest could enter inside of the temple also here in the day of the atonement. Not the people. But there are a lot of courts around the temple. And there, it was, if you're going to see the Bible, it's written, courts, in the temple, courts, courts. There is an S. That means many courts around. What that means? If it's just in that western wall, sometimes the people wish to gather there, 50,000 people. Then it's easy for you to gather 100,000. 100,000 people around in the courts. Okay? Then, <coughs> it, we are going to see here that they used to meet where? In the temple courts and also where? House to house. Say with me. Temple courts and house to house. Temple courts and house to house. Okay. This two strategy of large group worship, like here, large group worship, and the small fellowship is the biblical strategy and the structure for the church. Not just then, but for today too. Or when we, when we do like the New Testament church, we will have the result of the New Testament. When we, we do like they did, we are going to have the results of they had. If you want to, if you really want to be biblical, if you want to, to be like the times of the New Testament, if you want to be successful, we must have temple courts, big gathering, and also house to house, or the small group's home, or as we call here, the cell meetings. If we want to be biblical and grow, we need to be part of both. And here's the point. If you want to be a real Christian, you have to be part of both. This big gathering of worship and the small, the fellowship. This is how they grew. This is the biblical mo model. Through the New Testament, you are going to find a, a lot of examples. That the church, the primitive church, was not in temple. They were under persecution. And the church grew where? In the houses. They had no time to build the temple, my beloved brothers. They were gathered in houses. They used to go to the courts to do what? To worship the Lord. Everybody together. But their meetings were in homes. I'm going to, to we're going to read many verses now. Let's go. First Corinthians 16, 19. Let's read all together. Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord with... The church that is in their house. Oh, a church where? In their house. 
Did you know that you can have a church in your house? Yeah. Colossians 5.15. Greet, greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and the nymphs and, and what? The church that is in his house. Oh, another church in Colossians. Philemon 1, 2. Also, I fear your sister and Archippus, your fellow soldier. And what? The church that meets where? Wow, the church in your home. Let's go to Romans 16, 5. Romans 16, 5. Likewise, greet what? The church that is? In their house. Here Paul the Apostle wrote a letter to the Romans. Where they were meeting home churches. And we call them cell groups. Are the, he wrote a letter to Rome. The church in Rome. And he, sa and, and, and he said, Lookwise, greet the church that is in their house. Wow, in their home. Cell groups are God's strategy of reaching many people. Some people may find hard coming to church. Have you seen that it's hard to invite people to come to church? Sometimes. It's hard. They say, no, I don't want, I don't like religion. But have you seen how easy it is to invite someone to some friend's house? Everybody go to someone's friend's house. Everybody. Yeah, everybody goes to someone's house, but not to church. And, and I want to challenge each one of you. Please, if you belong to this church, you have to take part in a cell meeting. You have to, to invest in your cell meeting. Open a cell meeting in your house, a group in your house. Help your leader. Did you know that we, we are in need of more leaders? And also you have to strive to become a cell leader. No amen, amen no? Amen. Yeah. No, I want to be blessed. Bless me, Lord. Okay, but what are you going to do? No, no, I'm here just to receive, not to give. It is better, it's better to give than to receive. If you are, please look at me, if you are part of this church, but if you are not part of a cell meeting, sorry, you are away from this church. You are not part of this church if you are not in a, in a small group. Why? Because we are a church like the New Testament church. The church is at home. And this is why I believe that you're going to grow a lot. Because we don't even need building. If persecution comes and will come, <laughs> the church will not be destroyed. <laughs> because the church is strong at home. Amen? Hallelujah. This is the great investment that you can make in your spiritual life. Invest in what is eternal. Can you say amen? amen. Invest in something that you can bring with you when you go to eternity. Did you get the point? 
you are not going to bring anything from this earth to eternity. But there is one thing that is here that will enter in heaven. What is going to enter in heaven? People. <laughs> Then, did you get what Jesus said? What is the main point of this wor word that I am preaching to you? For you to store up treasures. Where? In heaven. How can you have treasures in heaven? Did you get the point now? Why I'm teaching that? Maybe you are investing your life here and you have zero in heaven. Zero. How long have you been in Ireland? And how many disciples do you have? How many saved people? How many people you are helping to be saved? Can you say amen? amen. I want to read what Ricky Warren said. The way, the way you store up treasure in heaven is by what? Investing in getting people there. Let's read all together again. The way you store up treasure in heaven is by investing in getting people there. Yeah. People are the only thing you, 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 you take with you to heaven. I want to take many people to heaven. <laughs> And if you believe in the Bible, you need to live a life that makes sense. Please, stop living for yourself. Invest in something that you're going to live, you are going to bring with you when you go to eternity. Let's read Matthew, Matthew 25, 34. Let's read what Jesus will say when you face him that day, when you face him face to face. What you are going to listen from Jesus. Verse 20, 34. Let, let's read all together. Then the king you say to those in his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did you, then we see, we see you sick or in prison? And come to you. The king. Jesus Christ. Will reply. Truly I tell you. Whatever you did. For one of the least. Of these brothers and sisters. Of mine. You did. For me. Wow. I told you. My beloved brothers and sisters. When we reach eternity. We will have to give account how we loved God and how we loved people. 
How could you give account? And, and some people might say, Pastor, I don't help people anymore. Because I once tried. I did. But I helped people. And they used me. They hurt me. They abused me. Yeah? Well, me too. I helped people. I invested in people. And they abused me. Yeah? That happened. But I didn't stop loving people because of that. Remember, where are you investing your life? Remember what Jesus will say to you. I am here helping people not to receive applause. I'm not here to, to help people just to say, oh, but, wow. No. I am helping people, saving people. Do you know why? Because one day I want to listen, Jesus. You clothed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick. And you visited me. People that maybe they are sick. Are you visiting them? People that are in need. Are you sharing what you have? Your clothes. Don't say that you don't have. You have more than enough for you and to share with others. One day Jesus said, I was in prison and you visited me. I'm not doing to receive applause from people. I am investing in eternity. And I am here to challenge you. Please, don't be silly. Invest in something that's going to give you a best return. <laughs> what I am doing, I am investing in something that I'm going to receive more return. I'm not thinking just here. But some of you are worried about death. Why? You are worried if you die today. Why? Because where, you are, where is your treasure? You are investing just here in your family, in your children, in your life, in your, in your well-being. This is the point. Every time you did something for one of the least of your neighbor, you did it for me, Jesus said. I want you to listen that from him one day. And I want you to read the last verse, Colossians 3. 23 to 25. Let's read all together. And, and whatever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. Be careful. Be careful. There is no partiality. Everything, everything you do, 
Do it heartily to the Lord. If you are serving people, you are not serving people, you are serving the Lord. Could you stand up, please? But please, be quiet right now. Because you need to, to give an answer to the Lord today. Because uh, you received that word today from the Lord. Did, did you receive this word from the Lord? Did you receive this word from the Lord? I am preaching this word to you with so much love. I'm not here to point my finger to you. Say that you are wrong. I'm not here to point my finger to say that you are wrong. But I'm here to say, please, the Lord loves you. And the first thing you need to do is to give your heart totally to him. For you to have this treasure in heaven, the first thing you need to do is say, Lord, I give you my life. You need to be saved today. You that are here in this building, you that are listening to the internet, you need to be saved. You need to give your life to Jesus. You need to store up treasures in heaven. But if you are here, if you are listening to me and you are saved, please change your attitudes. Because God is counting on you. Not if you are really saved. If you don't care about people, I am afraid that you are not saved. If you don't care about the salvation of others, sorry. I cannot guarantee that you are saved if you don't care for others. Because in the day that I gave my life to Jesus and I was saved, I start saving lives. I start making disciples. And there are people around you in your family, in your school, in, your, in the place where you work. They are going to hell. And they are living near to you. What you are doing? And say, I don't care. What's important that I am saved? Please. Close your eyes and pray right now. And maybe you have to say, Lord, I am wasting my life. Remember, when you love and serve people, you are serving the Lord. And he will reward you. He will reward you. You are not serving church. You are not serving pastor. I myself, I am a servant here. Because I am working hard every day of my life. To serve him and to please him. Because I am not here to receive anything from people. And I, I challenge you, please don't waste your life. 
give your life to him and say, Lord, I want to serve you. And the best place for you to serve people is your cell group, in your small group. Go to your cell group and say, I want to help people, I want to save people. Because many people, they don't come to church, but they go to someone's house. And this is why we are here today. Father, I pray, Lord, for all my brothers, sisters, for this church, for all those who are listening to me today. Transform their lives. Save them, Lord. Forgive their sins. Forgive their selfishness, Lord. Their lukewarmness. Their coldness. And set fire in their hearts, please. Lord, we want to see, Lord, a multitude of people coming to you and being saved. And one day we want to see people that lived beside us going to heaven and entering your kingdom with us. And they are going to say, thank you because you saved me. Thank you because you preached the gospel to me. Lord, I pray, bless this church. Lord, we want to be like the primitive church. We want to be gathered here in a large group worshiping you, but also we want to be in the houses. And when persecution comes, when we are not able anymore to meet all together, your church is going to be strong. As the primitive church grew, Lord, and multitudes came, and Lord, we promise you, we're going to give you all the glory and honor for all people, all this multitude that will come and serve you. And I pray and I bless everyone here, Lord. I, I, I pray and I bless every brothers and sisters. Lord, we renew our covenant with you today. Pray right now, right now and say, Lord, I renew my covenant with you. I want to serve you faithfully, Lord. Say to him, Lord, you can count on me. You saved me. I am saved. And I'm going to invest my life. I'm going to store up treasures in heaven. Oh, in Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. And I bless all my brothers and sisters. I declare, Lord, your kingdom will come and your will will be done in our lives. And, and one day we are going, Lord, to give you honor and glory for a multitude of people from Monaghan, from Ireland. Lord, where they are going to get saved here and one day they are going to be before you, Lord. From all nationalities, tribes, languages, worshiping and serving you faithfully. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we give you the honor and the glory forever. Amen and amen. God bless you.